0: Um, Go ahead and start turning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. And uh, today, uh, you know, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, or earlier in the summer, we did a lesson from Genesis 16, remember, about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. And uh, I thought that was just a really good unpacking what Genesis 16 said. I really was encouraged by that. And just remember that was about the God who sees me. You know, I remember, I just, that, that theme stuck with me for several weeks. And uh, even as I was uh, reading uh, Genesis 13, I went back and reread that again and was moved by that again. But I think today's passage, if we want to give it a title, it's Faithful in Conflict. Um, I bet, you know, there's probably a couple of you who've never been in conflict, right? Maybe a lot of you. No, no, right? I mean, it's to, I mean, you think about conflict. All of us, all of us end up in conflict at one time or another, whether it's big or it's little. You know, you think, oh, church, at least that could be a conflict-free zone, right? No, no. We, living in close proximity to each other, you know, you just get sideways sometimes. This even happens to people in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is the story of of, of, of making peace with conflict in a lot of ways. And we'll look at that a little bit as we dig in today. But we're going to look at Abraham and we're going to look at some of his internal qualities, some things that he loves that you see lived out in his actions and his life. So these are the qualities we want to strive for that I believe God teased out of Abraham. And so those, those internal qualities, then we're going to look at some practicals. There's a conflict in this chapter, and we're going to sort of dissect some of the tools that Abraham, since he was living according to God's way, and when he had those internal things on right, we'll be able to see some of the practicals he does of really restoring peace in a situation that could have blown up. So I think it'll be really great. So go ahead, and like I said, Genesis 13, and I've asked Regina, she's going to read that for us.
1: So Abram went up from Egypt to Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in gold and silver. Silver and gold. When Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to a place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had become earlier, had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. When Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between our herdsmen and mine, your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. It's not the whole land before you. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the uh, cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had, had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All of the land that you see will give, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust." then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. All right.
0: So again, the title today is Faithful in Conflict. So let's first look at the inside, you know, because that's one thing about being a Christian. God changes us from the inside out. Now, there's been plenty of churches and plenty of movements even before Christianity, even with uh, the Jews and things like that groups, who just tried to do the outside first, to look good on the outside, but the inside didn't change. You know? and, and God always says, that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a famous passage in Luke 18 that shows a, a Pharisee and a tax collector both praying. And the one says, thank God I'm not like that guy. Thank God I'm not a robber and an evildoer. And the other guy is just saying, I messed up on the inside. God help me. And that's the guy that walks away justified. It's always important to change from the inside out. And so I think that's the place to start with Abraham here. Actually, he's still Abram at this point. So point number one with Abram here is love God first. Okay, so I've been in my master's program, right, and I'm getting tested over reading comprehension. So I'm going to give you a quick uh, little taste, right, of reading comprehension here. What kind of living structure is Abram living in right now in, in chapter 13? All right, see, you guys are awesome. Every, 100%. Gold stars for everybody. He's living in a tent. Now, if we, if we rewound to chapter 12, the first uh, chapter about Abram, he was living in Ur of the Chaldees, and this is a place, Ur is a place that modern archaeologists have actually excavated, and they have looked at houses that were in Ur, and they're houses. They, they, they actually were, uh, some of them were even two-story structures, and maybe the ladies, everybody, probably, especially the ladies, they even had indoor plumbing of a sort. You could actually go to the bathroom in the house, didn't have to... Now tents don't aren't equipped with that. You realize that, right? So so God asked Abram to leave comfort and go out and go to where He was taking him. Okay, imagine Abram having to come to Sarah and say, Babe, I, I, I've heard from God, and He's at. I, I know we just got the plumbing in. I, I know this is a really nice place, and it's. I mean, we're really well established here in Ur but uh, he's wanting me to leave kind of this pagan area and go off somewhere, and uh, we're going to go somewhere else. Oh, really? Where are we going to go? Well, I'm not exactly sure, but it involves tents. That's loving God first. I mean, imagine, Abram had to leave comfort, his comfort zone, and go where God was taking him. That is a clear sign that on the inside, he loves God first. When do you leave your comfort zone? What is some of your comfort zones that perhaps God, in loving Him first, He's asking you to leave that comfort zone and go where He's taking you? What comfort zone would you be tempted to say, I think I'll just stay right here. The plumbing's nice, the shade is better, my house doesn't move. You know, but there's things like that, I think, that when we love God first, we, man, some things in our lives get called into question. Definitely when we start talking, and we'll, in a few moments we'll talk about the conflict. But in conflict, man, do you ever get in a conflict? Is comfort zone come into play when it's our conflicts? Yes, right? Yeah, you, uh, anytime you're in a conflict, you've got to leave your comfort zone to be able to go out and say, let's, let's see if we can end up with peace here. But I think there's a lot of comfort zones uh, that we get pushed out of when we love God first. And I want you to think about that on your own. What is a comfort zone that God may be telling you, you might, you might need to leave that one? You know, maybe that's maybe that's if you love God first, maybe that's telling someone a little about Him. Maybe maybe a relationship that's been nice and pleasant. Maybe you need to push through and say, "Hey, I just want to let you know about what God's doing in my life." You know, Uh, maybe that's in you know we just had our special contribution. We just kind of put a pin in that. You know, maybe it was related to something like that. Like you you see this opportunity to give to foreign missions or something that's a little bit of a stretch. And you go, oh man, I don't know, that's a little out of my comfort zone. I, you know, I give my weekly offering or whatever, but going above and beyond that, mm, I don't know, that's, that's a little much. maybe. But, but you think about all those people in need in those other countries, maybe that's a comfort zone for you. Maybe it's in that interpersonal relationships, right? Maybe you kind of like to keep to yourself, but God's pushing you, hey, get, let some other people in. Get a little closer to other people, you know. Loving God first. You see, obviously, Abraham was willing to do that and how it changed his entire direction. It even changed his zip code. Sometimes loving God first can change his zip code, but it starts from the inside out. How are you doing loving God first? Point number two, love prayer. I love this passage. There's this really clear sort of parentheses around this story. And the parentheses is is worship and prayer to God. Look at verse four and look at verse eighteen. Do you see it there? There's this clear little, like you know what I mean, like parentheses. It's there's this, this very clear bracket at the beginning of the story and at the end of the story. You find Abram doing the exact same thing, and that's finding a place. <laughs> he had to find a place, right? He had to settle down for just a second. But he built an altar and he calls on the name of the Lord. He does it at the beginning. And even after all the things that happen in the story transpire and even at the end he finds a new spot to, to park, the first thing he does is he builds that special place, that altar, where he can call on the name of the Lord. In, with Abram, it always, he always went back to, I've got to have God involved in what I'm doing. Man, i got to make a decision. i got to make a move. I, I, I've got something going on in my life, even a conflict with a family member. I've got to call on the name of the Lord to get some advice of what do I do in this situation? You know, I've got, to, I've got to actually find a place where I can really celebrate and worship God because God has given me so much. I mean, this passage is all about gold and silver. You know, you see in the next, uh, the next chapter, he goes and he saves Lot's of bacon. Um, yeah. from uh, these people. And these people are just trying to give him money. They're like, here, just keep this treasure. He's like, I'm not going to take a cent from you. I don't, want you to say, I don't want you to even be able to say, you made Abram rich, so I'm not even going to take your money. And God just keeps taking care of Abram. But you can see, he had total dependence on him. You know, He loved to pray. He loved to be in God's space. He loved to seek him above anything else. And it was the beginning and the end of every day every season, every moment, no matter what was going on in his life, whether it was good or bad, you see Abram bracketing his life with prayer. Do you love prayer? Now, I think all of us at times can say, listen, there's a time in my life where prayer is difficult. I'm a preacher. Sometimes praying is just difficult. I mean, sometimes I pray and it feels like my, and I've probably said this before, but my my prayers go up and they just hit the ceiling and bounce back down. Now, it doesn't really happen that way, but I feel that way sometimes. So there's a time where I don't love prayer, but I want to. I want to strive for that. I want to be like Abram in this, and I want my life to be bracketed with prayer. When I'm in a conflict, you know, I want to go to God and go, what do I do with this? When I'm striking out into a new direction, when I'm making choices in my life that may change everything, maybe you're uh, thinking about you know, who you're going to marry, who you're going to date, right? There's God, Don't you think God should be involved in something so serious, right? God, how do I do this? How do I, how do I do this in a pure way? How do I do this in a righteous way? Am I picking the right significant other, you know? Um, that's one of those areas where you launch into and you don't know exactly what's going to be around the corner, man. How much more do we need God? What about a new job situation, right? You're thinking about, uh, man, I'm, I'm looking for a job, maybe even a, a, a career change. Or maybe I'm looking for a geographic change. I'm going to go to another place. And, you know, God, please be with me at every step of the way. Don't let me just blunder into something that I haven't sought your counsel on. You know, uh, you, you're thinking about, you know, like I said, moving to a new area, starting a new venture, starting a new hobby. God, is there any risks in starting this hobby? Is there any... Danger that's going to come to me or or temptation that's going to come as I start this? What about school? Started back up. Anything related to school? What about what we're going to put our kids in, right? God, am I overcommitting our family? God, um, is this going to be beneficial for them both physically, spiritually, mentally? you know help us to be wise on what we just what about financially you know uh, God, if we, if we get involved in this what's the cost gonna be can we afford to be involved in this I just think there's so many ventures we go into and, and you see Abram here no matter what he did God bracketed the situation do you let God in like that do you love to invite him in sometimes we don't but I think we ought to internally strive God I want you to be involved even if you tell me something I don't want to hear you know, if our kids were in here, they could say, yeah, sometimes my parents tell me things I don't want to hear. Like That's like, that's like 78% of my job <laughs> is basically to point out the things they don't want to hear, it feels like, especially in these, uh, these kind of teenage years now. Uh, but yet, yet, if you could get them in the right frame of mind at the right spot, are they grateful? Are they know they're being guided and being loved? Yes. They really do. They they can't articulate it, but there's there's moments where you can say, okay, there is some light going in here. But uh, do you love prayer like Abram? Do you invite him into these situations? And when you hear from God, do you listen? Do you listen? Point number three, Abram here loved peace, but wasn't afraid of conflict. He loved peace, but he wasn't afraid of conflict. And we're going to really work through this. But again, I think before we even talk about the practicals, right, because I think I want you to walk away with some thoughts about when you come into conflict what you can do. But I think before you even sort of of strap on your tool belt with the practicals, we've got to change on the inside. And I want to ask you, do you love peace? I think we all think we do some people in the room don't love peace and i think there's a part of us that of all of us that doesn't but there are some people who you, you ever just know somebody who just like con- controversy is always around them there's always a little bit of a ruckus like they're they're just they're they're all they're always having to get resolved with people now granted there's a there's a place i you know as a minister i get involved in quite a bit of conflict <laughs> and a lot of it's not even mine <laughs> But, and, which is good and natural. I mean, I, I'm not knocking that because conflict happens. But there are some people, it just seems to have more conflict. I can think of somebody not in this room, not even in this city, who like when I say that, those words, they, their face comes into my mind. And I think that person just always is in a ruckus, always disagreeing with someone. And I would have to say, and I would tell this to that person, you don't love peace. There are some of us who would just who feel more comfortable when there's a little ruckus going on, and there's a little something going on. And I, but you see here, Abram recognizes that there's conflict, and he even brings up something that could potentially be a conflict. But he loves peace. He wants to get back to a place where they're on level ground. but, it, but and that that oftentimes means because loving peace is means I don't I don't ever rock the boat, right? Abram rocked the boat. He jumped into it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But loving peace isn't being passive. And I think some people who think, well, I don't even know if I like peace. You know, I, I don't mind mixing it up. Don't, don't mistake peace for passive. Was Jesus passive? No way. But He was the Prince of Peace. But He was not passive in any stretch of the imagination. He got in and mixed it up. But he was the prince of peace. He loved peace. And I think you can see those qualities in Abram. Do you love peace? Or do you love conflict and strife? You know, and uh, we'll talk about in just a moment, I think, a quality that keeps us from loving peace. And I think you can see it in Abraham Him. Point number four. Abram here, and I think this is a quality that God would want us all to have, loved humility. Abram was the boss. God is speaking directly to Abram. You know what I mean? He had a hotline to God. God pops by. You go down into like chapter 17. God will pop by to just get a, a a cold drink and a and a snack from Abram. I mean, literally, he, he just pops up and he's like, "Hey, let's get some food. Let's get some, let's kill something. Let's cook some stuff up. Let's do some barbecue here. Uh, let's let's get them something to drink. Uh, let's wash their feet. Let's just uh, let's get some hospitality going because God just you know drop by, uh, you know and. I mean, there would be a lot of reasons. I mean, God's directly speaking to him. I mean, look at this passage, this whole... Every, look, north, south, east, and west. That pretty much covers everything, right? Yeah. All this is yours. You're, you're going to fill this land with your people. Your Kings are going to come out of your, your lineage. I mean, there's a lot of things to puff him up. But look at Talking to his nephew. he's like, we're brothers. We're equals. Hey, you want to do that thing? I'll do the other thing. Or if you want to do that thing, I'll, I'll, I'll go the opposite. Like, let's just, do you see the humility in him? He had the right to go, okay, this is what you're going to do, Sonny. You're going to do this, and I'm going to do this. You see this nice area over here? That's mine. And this kind of really sandy part over here with all the sand and sun? That part's yours, right? He could have easily done that, and that would have actually even fixed the problem. But yet he loved humility. I think that's what keeps some of us who, who, who don't love peace, that is one of the factors that can kill peacemaking processes yeah. is I'm afraid I'm going to lose. I'm afraid I'm going to lose some pride, lose some face. Uh, I'm afraid, you know, sometimes with husbands and wives, I'm afraid they're going to get the upper hand. You know, if I, if, I, if I forgive them for that or I don't uh, put them in the doghouse over that, they're just going to think they can do that even more. You know, or, or like with a roommate situation, if I let this get away, oh, man. You know, I think not loving humility. I mean, Abram puts a lot at risk here in this conflict. He's, he, he puts himself, he, he humbles himself and lets Lot make the choice. So let's think through these, these internal qualities again. And I bet there's one that you'd really like God to help you with. So let's, let's go over them again. Number one was love God first. Okay, think about that one for a second. Loving prayer, inviting God into your situations and what you've got going on. Loving peace, but not being afraid of conflict. Think about that in you, maybe that's one. And then the idea of loving humility, allowing yourself to not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Those are all qualities that we can see in Jesus and we can see reflected in Abram as God worked through his life. Which one is standing out for you right now? If you could make a decision about, hey, I want God to work maybe as I, the school year starts and as I, I kind of end out of summer, maybe there, there's a quality in there that God can work on. Now let's actually look at the situation here. So first question is, was there conflict? Was there a quarrel? Was there a problem? Absolutely. You look there, verses 6 and 7, right? There was a real problem. I mean, in verse 6, basically, the situation was it wasn't going to work. There wasn't enough land, there wasn't enough resources for these people to be able to live in this space. The circumstances were, uh uh-uh, it ain't going to work. Now, sometimes quarrels start over something that specific, right? Like, this isn't going to move forward. This situation is not going to work. Sometimes quarrels, literally the circumstances, you can't even fix them without making a change. But you really, I mean, these guys were in real conflict. And these were some shepherd guys. They probably It probably wasn't just like a discourse. Right, they probably made it physical. Right, they probably were fight, literally fighting, and um, and Abram starts to say, "Hey, this is affecting our family. This is affecting my relationship with my nephew. This is, you know, our kids play together. You know, things are going on here, and this this situation has there's no peace. So, uh, you know, there is a real quarrel going on. And I'm going to use an acronym. That's where like the first letter means something. And the acronym I came up with today, very memorable." Taco. Lanny, what does taco have to do with peace? Have you ever shared a taco with anybody and not gotten along? (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. But the letters worked. I was just looking at what I I saw in the scripture, and taco was the one that came to mind. And it's easy to spell. T. So when you're talking about conflict, the T in taco is take action. Once again, we just were saying when we're looking at those internal qualities, peacemakers aren't passive. Peacemakers take action. Jesus took action. He came from heaven. He lived a perfect life. He sacrificed himself, gave himself up for us, then came back from the dead. That is the definition of action. Peacemakers do something in the situation. Yet A lot of times in conflict, or a lot of times when you maybe see a, a, a brother or a sister who maybe is caught in a sin, or maybe ha- is making some life choices that you know are having bad impact on their family, on themselves, whatever, do you ever just look at them and go, man, I just hope somebody says something to them? <laughs> I mean, think about how, It's kind of arrogant, right? But you look at them and you're like, man, I hope they know. Or I hope somebody says something to them. Or if you have a conflict with, your, with someone and they don't even, maybe you ever have a conflict with somebody and they don't even know they're in a conflict with you? <laughs> like you're mad, you're upset, they said something wrong, they did something to you, and like you don't, they don't even know that you're mad. This, happen, this Marriage may be where this happens even the most, right? But this can happen in the church, this can happen with a friend, this can happen with a roommate, a schoolmate, anybody, right? But they've, they've crossed you in some way and they actually don't even realize you had an expectation on them, they crossed it, you never talked about this expectation. But you're mad at them, there's a conflict and the other party doesn't even know. Or you see somebody doing some risky behavior, maybe even in sin, and you know that that's happening, and you're just looking, going, "Man, they're in sin," but you just sit on the sidelines and look. Peacemakers take action. I believe Christians default to action, to doing something, and sometimes that you don't even know what that something's going to be. And I think as a minister sometimes, and even as a friend, I really use the power of ignorance sometimes. <laughs> like, just I don't really even know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do something. I'm going to say, hey, something you did the other day, it made me feel funny. That's not even definitive yet. Just, can I ask you some questions? Something I saw, I just felt a little funny about it. Can I just ask you some more questions and maybe learn a little bit more? Maybe I'll change my mind. But go, do you see the attitude you can go in with? You don't have to have a Supreme Court case. I think if there's anything that's ever kept me from taking action, sometimes like, I don't have the, I need more briefs. I need more uh, evidence, you know, and then I can come to them and I can say, well, exhibit A says here and then this and this and this and of course you'll see now that I'm, you know, I've seen this correctly. You ever feel that feeling like that uh, you're paralyzed. It's the paralysis of analysis. Like I'm paralyzed, I can't do anything because I haven't, I don't have all, everything. It's fine to be ignorant. Ignorance is my friend. You know, just go, you know, something just felt funny. Or I think there's a funny thing. Is there a funny thing between us? Maybe, maybe there is. Maybe there is. Can we just talk? Man, that's, isn't that a... And I find that to be a great opener sometimes. Like I'm not telling you everything. I know exactly how things are. But take action. Christians, take action. We're not passive. We're people who just do stuff. And again, we may do it wrong. You may say it wrong. But I think when it comes to a conflict, people take action. And you see Abram here. The conflict's going on. You get to verse 8, and what does he just say? He just, It's just direct. There's a problem. He just starts to address it, right? He's just like, let's talk. Let's just jump right in. No preamble, no whatever. He just like, says, okay, this is what's going on. Like, he didn't even pretend. Like, in this situation, he didn't even pretend like you like, ever kind of go, well, you know, I think there might be. There was enough evidence, right? He just said, hey, there's, there's, there's problems. Oh, right, Right, Lot? Let's, let's talk it through. So he, he was a man who took action. So that's our tea and our taco. A is aim for peace. Now again, this is where internally you've got to be that peacemaker. You've got to love peace. But sometimes you go into a conflict and you're not aiming for peace. You're going into conflict and you just want to win. I mean, and there's a kind of conflict where you do that, right? And if you know, you're playing Monopoly, that's a fine strategy. You want to put hotels on everybody's property? I'm, I think that's great. That, I, I went bowling with the family last night. I didn't want to be. I didn't think I was going to beat everybody. I just want to beat one person. <laughs> that was my conflict right there. I'm like, who, who, who in this, who in this lane can I beat? Who can I get one point ahead of? Conflict there, totally acceptable. Defeat your enemies, right? <laughs> win, uh, yeah, win. You know, I'm fine with that. But in conflict. If there's sometimes if there's a winner and a loser, everybody loses. Listen, there's nothing more true that, especially in marriage than if if you're in a conflict and somebody wins and somebody loses, everybody loses. That's right. Everybody loses. I mean, what if you come out and you look you you end up proving I was better in this situation than you. I made fewer mistakes in this conflict than you. Who cares? Right. That is not aiming for peace. You know, in most situations, in almost all situations, there's kind of a little bit of truth on both sides. So Everybody did a little bit of something wrong. So, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't start out wrong, but then you get upset, and in your frustration, you were ugly or whatever. You know? So what if we could scientifically really examine the situation, we could get all the facts out, hear every side of the story, and we determined that Joel was 60% right, and Lanny was 40% right. Well, Joel wins, right? He was, only 60, he was 60% right, and he made 40% of mistakes. I was only 40% right. I made 60% of mistakes in this conflict. So he wins and I lose. I mean, that just, it just relationships don't work that way, right? right. I mean, maybe we, I guess just, we could just move off and we would agree you're the winner, I'm the loser. But, but if you're aiming for peace, you're going in saying, I want this to get resolved. And look at, look at Abram here in verse 8. How do you see him saying that? Look at it with the word let's. How does he say it there? Do you see what he says in verse 8? That's, the, that's, the, that's where he starts. That's the bullseye. That's the target. Do you understand what I'm saying with that? He, he's basically setting the agenda of what they're going to do. Let's not have any quarreling between us. Everything that comes after that, I want it to build towards let's not have any quarreling between us. Do you see the power in that? Yes. That's very practical. You can come into a situation with all kinds of agendas. I want to make sure they find out they are messed up. You ever come into a conflict like that? I want to make sure that I can underline with a red pen all their mistakes. Make sure they don't get away not knowing anything they did wrong you know or I want to make sure they feel this I want to make sure they feel how bad I feel I I mean I've had all of these I mean we could could go on all day on all the negative ones right but aiming for peace is coming in goes let's end this time can we can we agree that we're gonna work on this until we don't have a quarrel between us let's let's work on this until we we can we can come to peace can we agree to do that I mean even think about in your marriage how much that aiming for that is different right like, man, I know I messed up, and I know you probably would agree you messed up. Can we just say, we're, let's, can we agree, how, how can we resolve this? You know, if you're a roommate, or you're a friend, or you've got somebody at school, you know, let's, let's aim for peace. That one thing, I think, can be very different. You know, Jesus, when He came to this world, you know, in many cases, it says He came to seek and save the lost, that He came to save people, Right? But he could have come simply to judge people. That would have been completely acceptable. He was right. He could have come and said, I'm only here to condemn you. I'm only here to point out everything you've done wrong and make sure you know it. I'm here, I'm here just to, to make sure I'm a judge and I'm here to make sure everybody gets their sentence. And he would have been completely justified. Pe- people who go to hell and are separated from God, it isn't a technicality. It's because they broke the law. They rebelled against God. There is nobody in hell that's like, well, I didn't know what happened. You know, Everybody did that. He could have just come and pointed all that out, but yet he came to make peace with men and women. He came to fix the problem. He came to to forgive and give people more room to change and go, okay, I know you spent all these years and I know you did some things good and you did some things bad, but yet you still haven't made me the king. You know, I'm here to make peace with you. I'm here to appeal to you and plead with you. Jesus aims for peace. Do you? Abram sets an example for aiming for peace with his, his, his nephew Lot. Do you? Do you enter into a conflict aiming for peace? T, take action. A, aim for peace. C, common ground. Once again, you see the humility of Abram here. He says, hey, first of all, we're brothers. We're family. We should get along. You know, he, he, he's saying, like, you know, this is all of us. We're, we have things in common. You know, let's not think about all the things that we have as differences. Let's think about what we have in common. Man, if you're in the church with someone, we have the Holy Spirit. You and I are both forgiven. We have both been, somebody has overlooked some big things in both of our lives. We've got something in common. We're committed in marriage. We've promised that we will always be there for each other and there will be nothing that will, that will divide us permanently. Man, is that common ground? Yes. You know, hey, we work here at the same place. You know, you're in that cube, I'm in that cube. I really want to find a way to figure this out. We're gonna keep breathing the same air. We're gonna keep running to each other in the, in, in the break room. You know, we're going to keep working on the same job site together. You know, we're going to share the same space. Can we, can I, can we find a way to, 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 to get through this, get to the other side of this, so we can work together more pleasantly? Hey, we live on the street together. Our yards are going to touch. They touch. Can we figure out a way that we can sort of come and see eye to eye on this? Because we're, we're, we live together here. I want to live in peace. Finding common ground. You know, it's so easy to focus and meditate on all the differences. You know, when I'm when I'm in the wrong in my marriage, I'm meditating on all the ways that they're not doing right. (laughs) I'm not thinking about common ground. But man, when God intervenes, I start thinking more about that common ground. Taco T. Take action. A. Aim for peace. C. Find that common ground. O. Open to opportunities. This actually takes a lot of humility. Let me explain what I mean by open to opportunities. Abram here, in the quest for peace, aiming for peace and finding the common ground, he would have been well within his rights to just, like I said earlier, okay, you see the nice area over there? That's mine. Sandy, sunny area over here? That's you. But how does he determine he's going to make peace here? Yeah, he actually says, hey, listen, if you want to go that way, I'll go this way. And if you actually would prefer to go this way, I'll go that way. Because I'm more, you know what's more important to me? is not do I get the best piece of land, do I get the best piece of meat, that I get the best piece of whatever, or, or I end up on top and you end up on bottom. You know what's more important to me? That we have peace, that we get along. And I think sometimes when we come into a conflict, we're not open to anything different than what we're already thinking. I come into conflict, and I, all I want is one answer. And that's, I'm wrong, and you're right. That's the only thing I want to hear. You know? or, or, or I want to say, okay, okay, you get your way. And then you know how sometimes people are like, no, 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 no. But that's actually what you want. Yeah, you're right. Okay, give me that. But Abram here, the, the, the heart, the relationship, the inside part was more important than did he get the right land. And you know, ultimately, he did. Like when God pops in at the end of this conflict, what does God say? It's all, you're, all, you're getting it all. Your descendants are getting everything. North, south, east, and west, whatever, a lot picked, doesn't matter. And we know eventually lot picked that really nice area and it got turned into uh, the Dead Sea. <laughs> so all those little options and all those little opportunities, they come and go. They pass. But being open to whatever opportunities can really change a conflict. How open are you to seeing things differently when you come into a conflict? How open are you really? I mean, do you come into a conflict saying, you know what, I could be persuaded. You know, if, 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 I, you know I, I'm willing to do my part. I'm willing to accept the parts that I've done wrong. I'm willing to be open to going a different way. I think just that openness, being, I like the word persuadable. To, be, to come into a conflict saying, I'm willing to be persuaded because peace is more important to me than whatever we're dickering over. Whatever we're, and, and, and married people I know can aim in me on this. I mean, think about your last conflict and how important was the whatever was going on, right? It's like, I mean, have you ever angrily been holding like a tube of toothpaste? Like, how did you do? How can a human being, how can a rational person not put the cap back on this thing? How can you see this is evil? <laughs> have you ever passionately made a case? Where, like, how can you think putting the towel through the handle and not on the rack is... I mean, are you, are you an animal? <laughs> you know? I, I mean, have you ever passionately made this argument for anything like that? I mean, you have. I'm married, I know. But this can be in the workplace. It's like, you, you, know, you, how can you, you know, how can you just jump in a room and have a meeting in that room and not schedule it on Outlook? You know, how can I mean, don't you know other people schedule things? I mean, how often have we had the, I mean, you, and you can go to any environment. But that's not open. That's not open to opportunity. That's like, I, you know, and all of us have passionately argued for something really dumb. And I think God here says, those things come and go. You know, what looks pretty right now will be the Dead Sea in a couple of weeks. <laughs> You know, you know, what what you know what is it worth to fight over such insignificant things? A, a word choice. I mean, I, I can't think of how many different times just not even wanting to relent that well, you said that word. You know, it's like I think there's so many ways to, but I really believe that these these aspects that Abram and Lot show us here can really help us in our conflicts. And especially as we change seasons, you know when school comes back, does the stress come up? Absolutely. Yes it does. D- it d- c- thanks for the amen, Mason. Does the schedule get more complicated? It does. Are are our thin are our skins thinner? Absolutely. You know with, with losing PJ earlier this week, my thi- my skin has been so thin this week. I think that's maybe what got me thinking about this passage in conflict is, I mean, I even, and I shared this with the men at the men's medway. you know, on Monday, I just really had, a, just I was just irritated with my whole family and it was over piddly, the same kind of piddly things that I've talked about, but it was, I just know I'm, I was so so thin skinned and I think so often we just got to recognize that and go, but I need to put these things into practice of restoring peace when I'm in conflict. Yeah. So today, I want to invite you, let God speak to you through this passage. I, I pray that you remember these different aspects about Abram. First from the inside, his love, putting love for God first. Loving prayer. Loving uh, his humility and loving peace, but not being afraid of conflict. Think about all of those things internally. Decide on one of those. But then I want you to remember the practicals, the taco. Take action. Aim for peace find common ground, and be open to options. And I really think every single one of us can have such more successful conflict. That, that you can take that a lot of ways. But I want us to have successful conflict, not to beat our enemies, but to find peace and to imitate our King Jesus in being peacemakers. So I, I want to invite you, examine this scripture as you go into your week, find something that you can decide on, and let God work in each one of our lives. Amen.